WTF 2050 is proudly sponsored by X Energy, Solar Solutions for Tasmanian Conditions, AB Finance, Ethical Mortgages, and Unilux, Triple Glazed Windows. You're listening to WTF 2050. What's the future? Future. Thirty years goes like that. I wonder. We've actually shown we can do these sorts of things. Without risk, there was nothing. Hello, this is Leanne Minchell. And Anna Bateman. Anna, have you watched Rosehaven? Yes, I love Rosehaven. I'm a big fan of Luke McGregor's because I worked with him on Lukewarm Sex. And yes, I love Rosehaven a lot. One star. Woo! One star isn't good. Well, it's open now. I think people will look forward to just the sheer amount of um, character deaths that happens this year. Um, I know how popular Game of Thrones is and uh, Westworld, and uh, we didn't kill anyone in the last two seasons, so we're going to kill almost everyone this season. There is very few people left. Um, we're going to kill them in real life as well, which is hard to cover up. Uh, which is, That risks spoilers because then the police get involved, but um, I'm all about realism, so look forward to that in season three. <laughs> So we started by asking Luke, who just wrapped up Rosehaven Series 3 with his co-creator Celia Pacola, how all that was shaking out. Yes. Sorry, I'm just going into my podcast character. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, third season is just, uh, has just ended. Um, it's all done now. Um, all finished. So send me your reviews, everyone. <laughs> Let us know what you thought. We had a lovely chat with Andrew McPhail and he was he told a story about Someone at Screen Taz saying that perhaps him going, there's no two-headed jokes in here, is there? And, and you said, are you kidding me? It's not like I'm offended by them or anything, but I, I said let's do no two-headed jokes because it's, you know, it's the most obvious one with Chazzy, so mm. it was just none, none allowed. Mm. Um, you seem to have hit that kind of sweet spot of celebrating the fantastic eccentricity of Tazzy without playing into those kind of stereotypes, which is yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, we try to, we try to make it feel like... Tassie can kind of feel like anywhere. Um, like you can sort of be in the city and then drive 15 minutes and then be in forest. And the good thing about Tassie was we wanted it to feel kind of like a, it could be a small town anywhere. So we never really wanted to play too much into um, Tassie stereotypes. Tassie's such a... Uh, it, it doesn't feel like it has stereotypes. It's kind of... It has, you know, the city life. It has the suburbs. It has grasslands. Maybe I'm just describing Earth, but... <laughs> Well, you're from Tassie? Yeah, I'm from Tassie. I'm from Hobart, yeah. So um, whereabouts in Hobart did you grow up? Glenorchy. See, that's trendy. Until I was about 11 and then Chigwell for the rest of it and then left when I was about 25. What was Chigwell like in the 70s? It wasn't, uh, 80s. 80s, sorry, sorry, Luke, sorry. Podcast started up. Yeah, it was fun catching the bus. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I say fun in quotation marks. That was tricky because um, I had one time where I was just on the bus and this guy got on holding a boxing bag, like a really large, the same size as him, boxing bag. He was this huge guy and he's had a, what I assume was his little brother who was maybe half the size of him. His little brother came up to me and goes, uh, mate, give me your glasses. And I said, no, I need them to, to see. And he goes, give them to me. And then his big brother with the... Boxing bag goes, yeah, give it to him. And I'm like, no, I really don't want to. Uh, and, then, uh, and then I just got off the bus ages away from my stop. Uh, and that would happen regularly. I would just regularly catch the 
bus home to Chigwell and someone had started having a crack at something. Back then I had braces, big hair. Every second day someone would say something on the bus that would require me to get off it and just uh, and just walk home because it was um, it was a uh, it wasn't a great area for someone with um, with red hair and braces. <laughs> but it's certainly having a bit of a moment. Do you feel that when you go back to it? Oh, yeah, it's getting cooler and cooler. Just Mona being there and Dark Mofo and the Winter Feast and then all these little cafes popping up everywhere. Like Moona's got all these new, like Moona's where my parents' office is and like that's where all these, you know, cool cafes are popping up and one of the nicest restaurants in Tassie is there now. Um, And they do this really lovely uh, steak with coffee grounds and it just seems to get a little cooler every time I go down there. Mm. What are your parents' office? What do they do? They are uh, McGregor First National. It's a real estate office. So a lot of the ideas in Rosehaven are um, me ringing mum and dad and saying, hey, you want to do anything weird? Uh, (laughs) Yeah. And have they got more business off your show? I don't know, because it's ABC, we're not really allowed to advertise them in, in any way, so no. there's no reference in my social no. media or um, so that's Rose Haven McGregor itself. So that's Real Estate, 13 Main Street, Moona. 83 Moona and Moona, yeah. <laughs> we so, have no shame about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, go for it. We, we um, also have no listeners. <laughs> well, you know, it'll, uh, if they become, uh, that's where they can go. Um, but, yeah, it's, uh, I don't think Sundance has the same rules in America, but I don't think... I don't know how many Americans move to Tassie and need a real estate. <laughs> it could be growing. Is Sundance the same as the Sundance Film Festival? I, I believe they're connected. Mm, yeah, it's a Sundance channel. You never saw yourself going into the family business, Luke? I did, but I'm not pretty good at sales, so I don't really know how to... <laughs> did you, know. you ever have a go at it? Like, yeah, I, I went did work experience here for a while and... Uh, but I never really, no, never really dived in. I'm just anything where I have to sell myself. I'm usually pretty hard to sell it. Um, How did you step into comedy then, if you haven't got that? Um, uh, maybe it's just a mindset. But I feel like with comedy, I'm sharing something. Yeah, right. So it feels like I've got like a, if I find something funny, I want to give that to other people. Like, oh, you got, you need to see this. Yeah. So it feels different. Whereas if I'm selling a house, I, um, I don't know, I'm just not very, it's not my strong suit. <laughs> Too apologetic. WTF 2050 is proudly brought to you by X Energy, solar solutions for Tassie conditions, energy audits, solar design systems, and installation. Find out more xenergy.net.au. We've been talking to some different people that grew up in Tasmania and have moved on to things on the mainland. One of the first ones we did was with Saul Eslake and he was obviously grew up in Tasmania, became very successful, moved away. And we asked him if there was anything when he was growing up in Tassie that made him feel particularly Tasmanian or that he could reflect upon what he got out of his Tasmanian childhood that stayed with him or helped him more. Yeah, it's a good question, I suppose. I don't... Um, this is going to sound dumb, <laughs> probably... I love Star Trek yeah. and I love anything to do with space. So I'm always constantly looking up, like, you know, what's the largest celestial body we've discovered or stuff like that. So I've never really felt a real sense of place anywhere. Like, whenever someone says, um, like, I feel like all the problems on Earth is because everyone's like, our country first, our country first. And they, yeah. they forget that we're just on a big rock. Floating in space. Floating in space. And so I never really felt a sense of attachment to a, an area as such. Um, and I really like travelling around, so I don't... Um, it's interesting though because that's what Leanne and I say when we fly back in there, we almost feel like we've come home and like it's another country. Yeah. Which is Tasmania, yeah. I mean. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't there a push for Tasmania to be its own country at one point? Well, I think what, what we were trying to do now is join New Zealand. Join New Zealand, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, I rang Jacinda this morning 
She's feeling okay about it. She's okay with it? Yeah. Right, just, 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 just a matter of paperwork now, is it? <laughs> <laughs> I just need to put a tag to sign on. Yeah, well, that's seven families we've got to get round to, so. Right. Um, uh, yes, it's, um, I don't know. I, I don't know if there's anything particularly Tasmanian that, um, you know, that I took with me from the mainland other than um, when I go overseas and they say, where are you from? I usually say Tasmania. Yeah. I don't say Australia. Mm. Or I'll say Tasmania, Australia. Mm. Even when I went to Japan, I was trying to learn how to say um, Tasmania in Japanese, which I think is just Tasmania. Yeah, yeah. Things just pronounced slightly differently. When I say, where am I from? What's my home? I usually say Tassie. Um, I just feel uh, like that's more shaped who I am as opposed to anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I can't pinpoint. Pinpoint what it is. A or... certain thing, yeah. Although I did feel like in Tassie it was more important to be nicer to each other because if you got kicked out of a nice restaurant, it's just like, you know, yeah. it's just like that restaurant's gone now, that cafe's yeah. it's, it's becoming less of an issue now with all these new restaurants and cafes popping up. No, but I think but, it's uh, that proximity yeah. thing because the other thing I find is that because um, I grew up in Sydney, so I drove like a maniac and I was quite rude the way that I drove. Mm. And when I got to Tasmania, I just felt like... I actually couldn't do that because if I slammed the horn onto somebody who pulled in front of me, I'm just as likely to pull up at the Soho salad bowl and they'll get out and it'll be my next door neighbour and that'll be really embarrassing. Yeah, I, I had an instance where I uh, changed lanes to overtake someone and I didn't see that there was someone flying down that lane to overtake both of us. Yeah. And so they had to swerve off the road to um, avoid hitting my backside. Yeah. Uh, and so um, everyone was fine and they just ended up on a major strip, but they, I had to pay for their suspension to be fixed because they hit the sidewalk so quickly. Anyway, I got out of the car and I was apologising. I was like, I'm so sorry, I didn't see you coming down. He's like, it's fine, we're okay. And I ended up being someone I went to school with. <laughs> it was a year above me. <laughs> I'd like to see Tassie uh, really embrace uh, renewable energy, I think, would be my big one. I mean, I'd love that for the whole, whole earth, to be honest, but um, to, uh, not to chop things down and dig things up and be able to, um, you know, take advantage of wind and solar and really push to try and get renewables up and running down there so we can keep our natural habitat as it is. That would be my ideal for Tassie. I, I, I know there was a talk about having... Um, solar panels on roads so you can see so you're actually driving over the thing to yeah the, uh, things like that and technology like that and i just love to see that implemented across the state uh, obviously there's a that means there's a lot of jobs that get displaced uh, who you know, rely on forestry and um, wood for furniture and things like that uh, so i'm aware it's not easy but ideally uh, i'd love to see that sort of renewable energy focus in in tasmania um, it's interesting in tasmania at the moment because there's a big discussion around what we do with the natural habitat but because it's so hot for tourism mm. we are sort of a little bit in danger of killing the goose that laid the golden egg because if we stick a cable car on every mountain and if we have helicopters flying in high-end tourists to every single world heritage spot then the reason why people go to Tasmania is going to not be there anymore. There's definitely some sort of balance there I yeah. think yeah, that has to be achieved but I've no idea what that is. <laughs> <laughs> I know that you love your games and the VR and the AG oh, yeah. stuff. Yeah. Do you spend a lot of time thinking about the future? Uh, maybe lately I've got worried a lot. Oh, sometimes I just Google how long there's cold left just because you, you see all these news reports. You're like, how long have we actually got left uh, before everything mm. goes really bad? I was talking to someone whose partner's a climate scientist, for children and things like that, and how it must be so weird to have a job where you're researching, you know, what's happening. 
and then there's a particular population, including politicians, who just go, well, that's, we don't believe that. Mm. And so every day you look at the data going, oh my God, this is horrendous. The school climate strike. Somebody said to me that they felt like it gave kids something really positive to do and a funnel for them. Um, it's exciting for me because it means that uh, that generation is um, maybe some, some changes on the horizon. Because mm. uh, one day they'll be future leaders and that's great that they're um, proactively doing something. There's a lot of apathy. Mm. Uh, even myself, I, I very rarely go to demonstrations or anything like that. Um, so to see uh, the young generation who have probably the most options for entertainment that any generations have had in their whole lives to still go out and, and do something like that is, is amazing. Mm. You know? Listening to WTF 2050. What's the future, 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 future? Thought about buying a house in Tasmania? Oh, I knew all the time. What about looking after the big house while you're looking after the small house and finding an ethical mortgage broker? Uh, that sounds good. There is one. You're about to tell me about them, right? Yes, AB Finance. It's an ethical home loan consultancy with an open door policy for those wanting to join the global divestment movement. So you're better at this stuff at me, Leanne. When we're talking ethical investment or ethical mortgage, what do they mean? Well, when you take a mortgage from a bank, you're giving them money when you pay your interest back. And do you want it going to a bank that's propping up the fossil fuel industry? Maybe. If you do, go to one of the big four. If you don't, go to a mortgage broker who can find you a bank that's divested from fossil fuels. abfinance.com.au You've probably met Americans talking about Rose Haven. What do Americans think of Tassie? Are they aware of it? Uh, the small amount of people I've talked to um, sometimes know of it, uh, or they know it's a little triangle bit at the bottom. Um, the, the feedback we got from Rose Haven from America is, uh, is, was really nice. Um, what did the write-ups like about the show? Uh, really good. Yeah, really kind to us. Yeah. Um, mind you, I never went really looking for bad ones. Um, unless someone sends me something or I, I see something pop up, Yeah. I try not to go digging too Fair much. Um, did they comment on anything in particular about it or just said this is a quirky show? Or? Um, most people zero in on the fact that uh, it's a platonic relationship between a man and a woman. It's not a will-they-won't-they story. Mm. It's just two friends who happen to be opposite sexes and they're not... It's not that their sexual preferences or anything are stopping them um, having sex. They just literally are attracted to each other in that way and they just yeah. enjoy the friendship. So that's usually the compliment we get the most. It's just how it's... Yeah, now that you've said that, I can't think of another show that does that. Not that I... No, because there's always the sexual tension. Yeah. There are too many. Mm. I mean, the fact that we can't think of many off the top of our heads yeah. is probably... Mm, good sign. Proof, yeah. What's the latest in virtual reality? It's always changing, and uh, I'm really excited about some of the things Microsoft are doing around uh, augmented reality. It's just uh, augmenting what's around you. So you can. Um, a really simple example is say you're an architect or a builder, and you're you're all wearing these headsets, and you're all looking at the same thing on the table, oh. and it's sitting on the table. You can just turn it around and show people and. Uh, like, say, I'd love to see what my house looks like with this furniture or this wall paint, and you can put on these glasses and then you can colour in your walls for a different colour so you can see what your house looks like. I think the most exciting applications are probably more for around, you know, industry and surgeons and medical. And yeah, the medical you know, the sides. Games will probably follow later. Yeah. Is that great book, Sex, Bombs and Burgers? Yeah. Until the 21st century world of technology, that's what drives innovation. Ah. Sex, warfare. Warfare and food. And food, yeah. Yeah, the... Um, Porn industry is definitely, you know, making strides with the VRA and um, 
I went to Cannes about, yeah. God, it was eight years ago and they had the first ones and I remember looking down at the end of a corridor and you could <laughs> see all these men um, for the listener and they had these headsets on and then their hands were just, you know, making... Cupping breasts. Making cupping breasts <laughs> movements, really. And I was thinking, what on earth are those guys doing? And they were looking at, yeah, 3D porn. It doesn't even have to be porn. They've already got sex toys um, uh, where you can um, have a headset on and be in contact with your partner on the other side of the world when they're away. And then I think it's already something you can do now, but they can control like the sex toy that your partner has through an app or something, so you're still interacting with each other. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, any progress benefits... Every industry that uses VR, yeah, that's right. but, but games are still unless you go to a VR centre and they have a wind machine and stuff like that. As far as what's in your available in your home, it's pretty much going to helmet and controllers. Did you have a flying car thing when you were a kid? Yeah, I mean, I love the idea of a flying car. Um, I'd love to know how that works later because when you're on the road, there's lanes and things like that. Whereas if you've got flying cars. I don't know if they have to set up rings and stuff. Some people have to drive through the rings to make sure that they don't um, just fly anywhere they want. Ah, uh, yeah. Or um, if a car can fly, does it have to park on the ground or will it be able to hover so then people are parking everywhere? Like, how do you manage that? And <laughs> well, that would have been sit, pretty sit, handy for you back in Chile, yeah, wouldn't they? See this guy hovering his car over my unit, that's my parking spot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, there's so much logistical things around uh, parking and uh, where to drive and things like that, or speed limits that come with flying cars that, um, as cool as it looks, where they're all flying in a grid. Mm. I'm curious to know how that actually works if everyone can just fly around in a car. <laughs> I would just like the Star Trek beam me up, Scotty thing. If yeah. I could have anything, it would be that I could just go anywhere in like that. That's yeah. another one where it's um, to pull apart all your molecules and put them back together. Does that mean you die and then another one of you is created? So you're dead, but someone with all your memories and... Cause I, I'm oh, sure I never wanted to die. I just wanted to go up the magic faraway tree. Did you ever read that book as what a kid? Was, what was that one? Well, the kids would go up the magic faraway tree every morning and there'd be a new land up there for them to explore. So they never had to teleport anywhere. All they had to ever do was get up the trunk of the tree and then back down again, and the new land and the new people and the new everything would come to them. Right. Oh, yeah, it sounds yeah. uh It sounds It's the lazy person's teleporting. <laughs> there's, yeah. there's no taking me apart and putting me back together I again. Mean, in Star Trek, obviously, they must assume that your consciousness somehow is also intact, so mm. it's, you're you still. Mm. Otherwise, no one would want to use a teleporter. They go, oh, I'm, not, I'm taking a shuttle. <laughs> <laughs> It's so much quicker if you wish to have a teleporter. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to die. So. <laughs> I'm just yeah. getting back on the Chigwell bus and handing over my yeah. glasses yeah. this time. Yeah. It's, it's actually safer. And also you could have a fly in there with you like Jeff Goldblum did and then get reconstituted with the fly. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was very Kafka, wasn't it? Mm. Mm. <laughs> I'm excited about Captain Marvel. Have you seen it yet? Yeah, it's great. And is it good? Yeah, it's really So Brie pulls it off. She's brilliant. Great. Yeah. Great. I'm really excited, though, to see her in her next film because this one was a lot of um, world building and had a lot of, um, I mean, she had amnesia for a lot of it. She didn't remember who she was. So I'm really, mm. I'm really looking forward to her next one so you get to see more of who she is now that she's got her memories back. I also uh, weirdly liked Aquaman. I liked it Which too. shouldn't it was, work at all, but somehow it, was, it did. It kind of didn't take itself too seriously mm. and it was just... Fun, and that's another thing I like about Captain Marvel. Is she is someone who really likes being a superhero. She's like, oh, these are really cool 
yeah. man's powers, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is nice. There's no angst. Whenever I see angsty superheroes, I'm like, oh, I can't believe I have super strength that can fly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, okay, okay, okay. Um, what superpower would you have? Uh, I don't know. I mean, fly is the obvious one because it just is so cool. But, mm. um, God, if I fly, then I'm worried the government would try and capture me and do experiments on me. So <laughs> I need some sort of power that prevented them doing that. Uh, so maybe... <laughs> It's hilarious that you've got anxiety yeah. over a fantasy. Yeah, exactly. So, so if, I had, if I had flooded one, all of Superman's powers, so that way if they did come up and try to experiment, I'd be able to like, no, nah, I don't think so, guys. Uh, yeah, yeah. Show us your Krypton, baby. Yeah, but fly probably. I mean, if I you had, I'd if like you, to be invisible. Invisible would be really cool. Um, or super strength, because then you could pretend you don't have it, and then just in certain mm. situations, like mm. if, like if that guy on the bus who tries to steal my glasses. <laughs> But imagine being invisible and being able to go into the White House or something and sit there after Donald Trump had signed some crazy law and you just go... Yeah, it'd be cool, but you'd still have to open doors and you'd still have to... Oh, here we go. You'd still have to, uh, <laughs> you'd still have to climb gates and stuff, so it'd be cool. Yeah, that's true. Okay, yeah, all right. It'd be right. pretty easy to get trapped in there. Um, and then you're sitting on the couch and someone sits on you and you're like, oh, God. Unless you fancied them. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's just, there's a lot of logistics that come with But, you know... If you're a program, the best one by far. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I'm going to go to footy tonight. I'm going to sit there tonight now and think up all of these anxieties that could attach to us. I really have thought, I've definitely ever thought it. Um, one that I'd love is just being able to speak every language on Earth. That'd be my favourite. Mm. I heard the guy interviewed the other day that invented all the languages for Game of Thrones. Oh, right. He's invented 18 different languages. Wow. Like every level of it. Incredible. Well, I don't know. Wouldn't it be easy? Because who's going to pick you up on it? No one's going to go, grab this shit. No, it's not. It's my language. You don't say that in Dothraki. Yeah. Do you know what? There'll be legions of people that now speak Dothraki that will be able to do that. Uh, he'll just go, well, I'll just change it because I invented my change it. Thank you, Luke. Thanks for having me. Thank you. That was such a great chat we had with Luke in Melbourne. It must have been fab to work with him. Oh, he's an amazing guy, yeah. He's super smart and an incredible writer, yeah. He's a great ambassador for Tasmania. Yeah. And here we are. The red flags are up. Dark Mofo's about to kick off and I'm looking forward to seeing his show. Yeah, I can't wait to see him down here. You've been listening to the second series of WTF 2050, proudly brought to you by the Australia Institute, where ideas and research matters. Thanks to our studio engineer, Michael Shelley, at The Green Room, and a big shout-out to producer and music man, Fletcher Babb. Please check out our other episodes and join the conversation on our Facebook page or our website, wtf2050.net.au. Remember, you can listen to the first series and all of these episodes on iTunes and Spotify.